In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Hello, and welcome to Between the Lines. On this show, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I encourage you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was the teacher at school handing out a writing assignment. For others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. Welcome to another episode of Between the Lines. On this episode, I will be speaking with Troshu's own Amanda King. Hello, Amanda, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hi, Randy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's my favorite day of the year. Ah, Sam Hain. Well, I just go by Halloween, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, this is being recorded on Halloween of 2021. In uh, the as of yet named basement studio, where we're, we're recording, Amanda is actually beside me right here uh, in person, uh, which most of my interviews have not been. But uh, anyway, enough of that. So rather than me reading off a piece of paper that I can barely see and probably would screw up so many times, I'm just going to let Amanda tell you her story by herself with their own words. Can you do that? I hope so. Okay, go. <laughs> so I am a Alberta born and bred resident. I've spent most of my life within about a two-hour drive of Calgary. I spent a few years out in the interior of BC, which was awesome. But right now I'm calling Troshu home. Yay! Yay, Troshu! And I've had a very colorful career to date. I've studied fashion and heavy-duty mechanics, welding. I'm currently helping my husband with his home inspection company called Hannibal Home Inspections. But Nice plug. Thank you. All of my life, I've been hiding from the fact that writing is what I really, really want to do. And I've finally gotten to a point in my life where I can take it seriously and... 
I'm determined to take it seriously. So in the last two years, I've developed a small collection of short stories that I'm quite proud of, and I've gotten about halfway through the revision process of my first book, of my first trilogy. So I... We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. So that's a little bit about me. Well, it's more than just a little bit, I would say. So (laughs) thank you for that uh, self-introduction or self-exposure, I guess. Hey, good thing I'm blind. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get right into the the interrogation, if you will. Very well. Where were you on the night? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Was there any one book, article, poem, or what have you, which inspired you to write? Well, I've wanted to write longer than I can really remember. But the one thing that really inspired me to take my writing seriously and pursue it was actually another podcast called Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I think I've been there. The the thing <laughs> most writers have. <laughs> the thing that really, it, it, it was such a powerful tool for me because it told me that writing was possible when everyone in my life as a child with couple exceptions, had told me that it was impossible to be a writer and to put food on your table. So it was a great message of hope that I've really drawn on. That's it? That's it. I've heard that before from other people, too. So it's it's pretty much a standard, well, you know, yeah, you can write, but what are you going to live on? Yeah. Yeah. It's very common. It's unfortunate, though. What is your philosophy about writer's block? I see... My views on writer's block might not be too popular. (laughs) (laughs) Explain. I think writer's block is an excuse for procrastination. And I can say that with some degree of confidence because I used this as an excuse for many, many years. But really, I think it comes down to a fear of putting quote-unquote bad words on paper. A fear of of failure and... uh, being debilitated by perfectionism. I can walk down the street and see a weird-looking tree and have an idea for a whole story about that tree. Actually, that's what one of my short stories came from, was a weird-looking tree on the street. And, you know, when it comes to, to getting your writing out there, you just have to work your writing muscles. Even bad words are still words on a page. And... If you put enough bad words on a page, eventually they start getting better. So so there's hope for even the likes of me. There's hope for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about putting the work in and, and not letting fear and excuses get in your way. So how do you how do you work around that then? I just sit down. If I'm not feeling particularly inspired, I'll sit in front of the screen and I'll put a timer on and I'll say, I'm not doing anything until I've been at this screen looking at words for 10 minutes and then I'll put some bad words on the page and then I'll go ooh a dog sniffing a turnip there's a there's (laughs) there's a story there somewhere 
I can I can go with that, and usually it evolves into something more interesting. <laughs> Although that sounds pretty interesting on its own. <laughs> that's uh, you know that's a it's a good way to look at it. It's a different perspective, and probably will garner some you know, maybe a couple of emails. Uh, I'll withhold the email address. <laughs> say, what is she talking about? But no, you know everybody's got their own opinion, right? And that's just you know, uh, and I say this over and over again: opinions are just that; they're neither right or wrong; they're just yours. Agreed. Whether you agree or disagree with what Amanda has said, it's her opinion. So take it from there. Good answer. Thank you. (laughs) Is there a certain time of day where you find yourself more productive? Uh, Take a wild guess. (laughs) Would it be at night by chance? (laughs) Absolutely. When the sun is low. Uh, My favorite hours to work, and I have to define favorite, is between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Those are my favorite favorite hours to work. The house is quiet, the sky is dark, there's all kinds of inspiration to be drawn from the night. However, real life gets in the way. Ain't that the truth. (laughs) So evening winds up being my most productive time just because that's when I'm home and I have hours to dedicate in front of my computer. That said, I can write at any time of day. First thing in the morning when I've got my coffee, I'll sit and write a few lines while I'm getting ready. I have a really long lunch break, so I always rush home, eat my lunch really fast, and then I can usually get 45 minutes to an hour of writing in then. So I've found that I'm most productive just by making the time to be productive, but it's definitely most fun in the wee hours of the morning. No, I I, I, <laughs> I can write any time of the day. It's just when inspiration hits you, right? Yeah. For the most part? For the most part. But there are there are people who have those, I can only write during this time. And they limit themselves because I can only, you know. Anyway, that's just my opinion. I'm just running the show. We'll move along to the next question. They say a writer should read as much as possible in the genre of which they prefer to write or want to write. Do you? Or do you agree with that? I do agree with that to a certain extent. I think it's important to know what's out there and... I, I don't think there's anything wrong with drawing inspiration from the work that's come before. There's been too much creation over the last couple millennia to say that anything that we write is wholly original. We're constantly inspired by the world around us, whether we acknowledge it or recognize it or not. That said, I can't typically find what I like to write in book form. So I wind up reading or uh, watching a lot of movies and television shows that are more in line with my genre. So things like the show Supernatural, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, American Gods. So now, if you are sitting here from my perspective, even though I'm visually impaired, and mm-hmm. to look at Amanda right now, you'd understand why she's saying those things. That's I, all I'm going to say. It is, it is very stereotypical of my look, absolutely. What was the question? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the question. Uh, genres. So, do you find or think, then, that if you're reading within the genre you want to write in, there's a possibility of your own ideas being superimposed by those of what you've read? Doesn't that take away from the originality or the potential there is, thereof? I I don't think that it necessarily takes away from the originality. I think the originality comes from the author. 
no matter what you put down on paper, unless you're unless you're outright plagiarizing somebody, which is not in any way. Don't cool. plagiarize. Plagiarism is bad. But you're always going to bring your own personal experiences and put those on the paper along with broader general ideas. I mean, how many different types of vampires are there out there? Everything from eyeless ghouls that can't think for themselves to sparkly, twinkly, you know, pacifists. It's it's all about how how you bring your own life experience and mix that into ideas that have been done before that make something unique. Fair enough. Now, in my in my group, uh, Canadian Creative Writers, I do a daily prompt. Mm-hmm. And every response to the prompts, although not a lot of people respond to them, maybe they're just writing at home and are afraid to share, that's fine too. But those that do respond their line of thinking is always different from each other. Yeah. So, And that's why I do that, is just to give people something to work with and get out of a funk, maybe? Yeah. yeah, writing prompts are great for that. What would it take for you, Amanda King, to feel fulfilled in your writing? To get to the point where all I have to do every day is write, where it's where it's the way that I'm making my living, and I can put pen to paper and know that my bills are going to be paid, and I'm doing something that I love. I've discovered that I really love everything about the writing process. It's not just the joy of that first draft where the creative juices are flowing and characters are coming to life. It's also going back and reading that first draft and going, oh, that's terrible. But I can make it better here and I can do this and and doing all of the grunt work that's involved in taking that first draft and making it into something polished that other people will really enjoy to read. So I find the entire process of writing itself fulfilling. So how far are you away from that? Or how close to it are you? I like to think that I'm within a year or two of getting to that point, dependent on how well I can pitch my future projects as they come to be ready for completion. Reality says more likely five to ten years, but I'm hoping within the next two or three. But there's no giving up. There's no giving up. This is, I found my passion. I found the thing that gets me up in the morning and keeps me up at night. And this is this is where I want to spend my time. So what are those things that inspire you to continue on this journey? The ability to live in my head. I love I love living in my own head and exploring ideas and daydreams and weird characters and and it's my favorite place to be. So well, it's better than you being in my head. <laughs> um, I think most people would say that. <laughs> hey, now, what do you know? <laughs> no, it's true, though. I mean, within the confines of our own little space that we know so well, we are most comfortable. Yes. Um, but it's also a dangerous place to be because if you're there too long, the outside world becomes less involved in your life. This is true. This is true. And I think that's probably the benefit of taking writing seriously as a business. Because when you're taking it seriously as a business and not just as a hobby, you're forced to face that external environment to get your work out there. 
and you can you can live in your head forever and create all kinds of stories and get lost in your head but not get anything out there for the world to enjoy it's a it's a very different environment from the creation space to the marketing space where you know you're you're making your websites and uh, connecting with literary agents and doing all of the uh, less fun stuff that comes along with the writing path. You made an interesting comment about making it a business, and my mind immediately jumped to the music world. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of the group Kiss, for example, or Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. where they approach it as a business and not just music. Yeah. Like if you if you look at the marketing and the skills behind Gene Simmons and what he's done with Kiss, then Iron Maiden as a band, what they've done as a business rather than as a rock group, yeah. it's just it's phenomenal, yeah. and it's I think it's a really neat approach and not an approach for the amateur writer. But certainly if the amateur wants to move along that line of progression, then they need to start looking at it as a business and looking at themselves as a business. Yeah. And not necessarily their writing, but themselves, because it's them that's going to be responsible for the selling of their... Yeah. You are you are selling yourself as a product. It makes me feel cheap. It, it, it does. Well, and I think that's the objection that a lot of artists have with viewing their creations as a business is the the cheap feeling of selling yourself. But who doesn't sell themselves? I mean, whether we're selling our time to an employer or, you know, something that we've created to the open marketplace, we all got to pay the bills. Now you brought up the word artists. Yes. And we talked about this. And and I happen to know something about you (laughs) uh, within that realm. And uh, Amanda King is an artist. And I've seen some of her paintings. And I have my one good eye on one of them. But amazing, amazing talent. And we'll find out a little bit more about that later. But what brought you into that world? Well, actually, when I was a little kid, I would be asked what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I... Artist. From my (laughs) earliest memory, I want to be an artist. So I always knew I would be a creative. And my uncle was an artist, so he was a great source of inspiration for me. But he was a starving artist, and I did not want to be a starving artist. I discovered acrylic paints when I was 22. And I, I don't have a great eye for realism, but I can do abstract quite nicely. And the paintings that you saw, I recently discovered hydro dipping, which is a lot of fun. And it involves spray paint and a vat of water. So um. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds messy. (laughs) There are worse. There are messier forms of painting. but (laughs) Five, six of my books all have uh, friends of mine who are artists. And they've, I I don't know what the right word, they've lent their work to me for for covers. Yeah. Uh, So I have a a lot of respect for for artists. And, I mean, I worked security uh, in the Winnipeg Art Gallery for a couple of years. So I I love art, so. Nice. Yeah. Well, and I I like doing all of my own cover designs. It's one of the fun parts about releasing an e-book is doing the cover art. So I usually capitalize on some of the amazing photographers that are out there putting their art available on sites like Pexels with free licensing. But mm. I always I always give credit to the artist. As 
as you should, yeah, as anybody should. Absolutely. Absolutely is right. I guess we'll move along to uh, what is your preferred writing tool? And by that, I mean PC well, and software versus pen and paper versus typewriter. This is probably one of the few areas where I have a little bit of a system with my writing. I always write my first draft with pen and paper. Always. It's portable, the creative juices flow better, and there's something really satisfying about seeing scrawl filling the pages of a notebook with a story. But I'm blind. This is true. <laughs> this is true. But for me. <laughs> yes, for you. And this is about you. <laughs> but when it comes to time to start revising, it also forces me to take that look at my first draft as I put it into the computer. So I transcribe my first draft into the computer to see what I've got. And it gives me a chance to, to analyze my my scrawl a little bit clearer and, and get some ideas. And it's easier to move stuff around in a word processor, so editing's a lot easier. And then in the revision, there's a lot of back and forth. So you, you print it off and you do all of your work, your revision work on paper because it's easier to look at. It doesn't strain the eyes as much, again. So from pen and paper to computer, yeah. is it a clickety-click on the keyboard, or yeah. do you use dictation? You know, I've never found dictation software works really well for me. I don't know if I just haven't taken the time to train it properly, or if it's how I speak, but I find it takes me way more time and effort to go back and fix what it didn't record properly <laughs> than it does for me to just type it out. <laughs> so it's there in front of you on the computer then. Yeah. Have you ever used like read aloud, which reads everything that you've got there to you so you can hear what sounds good and what doesn't sound good? No, I haven't used that, but I will read aloud to myself. Okay. Um, if I'm If I hit a patch where I'm not quite registering properly or I hit a part where I stumble, I'll read it through aloud to myself a few times. Mm -hmm. I usually close the door to my office so my husband doesn't think I'm crazier than he already thinks I am. I'll leave that one alone too. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I know you, Amanda. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a back and forth between both. So no typewriter. I have a typewriter. You do? I do, and I love my typewriter. Mm. However, I'm not very good on it. It's a manual typewriter, Ooh. so it doesn't get as much use as I want it to. I love I love using it. There's something very satisfying about it, but there's also a lot of noise associated with it, and I'm very self-conscious about the fact that I'm writing, mm. which is another reason why I like pen and paper. It's quiet. I can hide in the corner of a coffee shop and write for hours and nobody will notice. Whereas if I'm in my office... I don't know. If you're dressed <laughs> the way you are right now, you're hard not to notice. This is true. This is true. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. No, that's that's a good answer. I, I usually include one question that is not given to you in advance. Okay. So, But now I've got two, so I've got to debate which one. But we'll work on this last one here first before I go there. Is there anything about your writing journey, and I, I like that word for, for writers, uh, is there anything about your writing journey so far you wish you had done differently? 
I wish I had taken earlier opportunities more seriously. I There's one specific instance that comes to mind. When I was in grade 9, I encountered one of maybe two people in my life that thought that I could take my writing somewhere. And my grade 9 English teacher, uh, Ms. Ballard. Hi, Ms. Ballard. Hi, Ms. Ballard. She pulled me aside after class one day and asked me if I would be willing to publish some of the poetry I had written for her class. I was an angsty Mm -hmm. teenager, (laughs) and for reasons that are kind of a mystery to me now, I didn't really like her as a teacher. In hindsight, she was a really good teacher. She, She showed faith in me that few others did, and I turned her down. And I really wish I hadn't because I think that that could have been a great launching point. And, you know, it wouldn't have taken me a decade and a half to get back to a point where I'm able to to say that I'm trying to get stuff published. But maybe this is a path you had to take to be able to get where you're going. It's possible. It's possible. It's certainly been an interesting journey. I've got (laughs) lots of experiences to draw on when I'm coming up with characters and situations and and emotions uh, to to go through uh, in my stories. All right. So I've I've decided on the question I'm going to ask you, and it's the one question that I want to ask everybody now. It's my favorite question. (laughs) So a few years back, MTV had a particular show. I don't even remember what it was called, but they would ask musicians if they could have written any particular song, which one would it have been? Mm -hmm. So the question I'm going to ask you is if there was any one book that you wish you had written, what would it have been? Ooh. Well, uh, I, I, I'm not sure how this is going to make me look, but I wish I'd written Harry Potter, man. Like, the the story, the depth of character, the layers to it, and the timing of launch and publication, the hysteria around it. I mean, that combination of amazing product and amazing marketing it doesn't come around very often and there's there can't be any question whether you love or hate harry potter it was wildly successful and continues to be i'm not sure which particular book it was but i was doing security in winnipeg and there was a harry potter book release yep. and the, the bookstore in in the mall Dally robinson uh, they rented out an empty store space and they decked it all out in harry potter Regalia, and it was phenomenal. And the mall was full at, at midnight. Yep. The mall was full of these, you know, three feet high fans to seven feet high fans. It was incredible the hype around this book. Yep. And that's when I decided I wanted nothing to do with Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I was in the mall at midnight. For the release of the last three books, oh my. waiting for my copies. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, the hype can be uh, uh, off-putting for some people. Um, you might as well be a Star Wars fan. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, let's move along before I lose any more uh, listeners or friends. <laughs> we'll go to part two, and, uh, and this is the part where, well, you get to tell us about what you're writing and what you're going to do with it, because I know that you don't have anything published in a book form right as of yet. Not as of yet. But you do have some other things that you can talk about. and So can you let the listeners know? Where they can find, <laughs> where they might be able to find some of the stuff that you've written and have published. Absolutely. Uh, so right now, all of my writings that are published, they're indie published on my website, which is www.ak-king.com. So I, I've got some poetry on there that's free access, and I've got my flash fiction stories, which actually for the month of November, I'll be providing free access for my flash fiction stories. So you can get a sampling of them just for the month of November. The price well will come back up December 1st. And including my latest short story, To Mend a Broken Limb. I'm hoping by early, early 2022, I'll have enough short stories to put together in a collection that I'll be releasing on Amazon. And then hopefully that will be in an actual book format. Do you have a title for that book yet, or? Not yet, not yet. But uh, to mend a broken limb, I'm. It's it's not my typical style, but it was so much fun to write, and it made I made myself cry. So I always take that as a sign of a good story, and it'll probably be the lead story in that collection. So it's not a comedy then. It is not a comedy. <laughs> I don't write much in way of comedy, and what humor I do write is extremely dark. I have a morbid sense of humor. I have a lot of... Does that go along with your curiosity as well? Yeah. Yeah, I have some morbid curiosity. I, I have a tendency to root for the bad guys and favor the anti-heroes. And I'm, I'm not the kind of writer that writes the great heroic epic where the good guy always wins. I like exploring the shades of gray and... You know, good guys are bad, bad guys are good. and So you go to a Marvel movie and you're rooting for the bad guy. I'm definitely rooting for the likes of Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, are you currently working on something then? Yes. Um, and how close? And how close to being done is it? In addition to, I always have a, a steady supply of short stories that I'm drafting and revising. But my major project for the last year was inspired by one of my short stories. And I fell in love with this character so much that I had to write a book about him. And in writing the first draft of that book, I realized it's actually three books because I have to talk all about his parents. So book one of the trilogy, it's really, it's about two people that most would consider evil that fall in love and find redemption through exploring that love for each other. I like to think of it as a supernatural thriller, but it does have a strong romantic theme going through it. And like I say, it's it's book one of three. It's in revision, and I'm hoping to be marketing it to traditional publications early 2022. So I don't want to go too, too much into it in case I do get picked up. If Remember, it, you heard about it here first. Absolutely. If it doesn't get picked up by a traditional publication, by the time I've finished drafting book three, I'll be getting ready to indie publish the the collection. So Fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can get the latest updates on what's going on with that uh, if you're a subscriber to my monthly mailing list. So, Which I am. Yes, you are. And, well, lastly, you've already kind of touched on this, but how and where can people find you? Well, I'm on a bunch of the socials. So I'm on Facebook and Twitter at AKKingAuthor, Instagram and TikTok at AKKingAuthor, and I'm also on Goodreads if you uh, go to goodreads.com slash AK underscore King. And if you don't, you should. <laughs> all of all of the links that I just mentioned are available on my website, which again is www.ak-king.com. So I'm not a tech guru as much as other people like to think I am. I'm not super comfortable on social media, but I'm trying to make sure that people can find me for my particular brand of fiction. Well, I can tell you she's a guru enough for me when it comes to technology because <laughs> basically if I have a problem, Amanda, and she comes and she takes care of my problems. I try to help. She does. And uh, we do we do have a friendship, uh, what, a couple years now? A couple years. I've been in town for a couple years now. So. Yeah. yeah. So we've we've had the, uh, well, we, we met through her work and... And uh, we've developed a friendship, and then uh, we also used to hang out at the same restaurant. Yes, before they closed. <laughs> before they closed. Uh, so, yeah, Amanda, thank you very much for taking um, the time out of your favorite day of the year to come down to this dungeon and do this podcast with me. Well, thank um, you very it's much always a pleasure me. to hang out with you, talk with you. And um, good luck in the future with your writing projects. Well, and thank you for having me. And uh, I, I hope people can enjoy some of the darker themes that my work presents. They're not that dark, people. <laughs> Don't be fooled. You have been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will be speaking with authors and writers from across the country about all things writing. If you liked what you heard, click the subscribe button to be notified of any and all new episodes or content. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. Thanks for your time and ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on. In business, you rarely hear the expression, for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 Weight Loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com.